If you've ever wanted to have a go on the radio, then get in touch with LCR FM, Liverpool's only community radio station. We run free, regular introductory radio training courses. To find out when the next one is, email steve at l-c-r.co.uk or call into the studio on Holt Road and you can find out how to have a go at radio. You're listening to Liverpool Community Radio, LCR FM 106.7, the city's only community radio station broadcasting on FM. LCR FM is available on your smartphone using the TuneIn app, or you can listen live by going to www.l-c-r.co.uk. This isn't just any community cafe. It's a grass-rooted, gregarious, friendly, affordable, home-baking, isolation-reducing, healthy eating, freshly brewing, welcoming, inspirational community cafe. The Croissant of Inequality Community Cafe, 55 to 57 Holt Road, Kensington, L7, 2pm. We sell freshly ground and brewed Italian coffee for only £1 a mug, plus a range of teas, kombucha, toasties, jacket potatoes, snacks, delicious homemade soups. We also sell our own sourdough bread for only £1.50 a loaf. Pay by cash or card. Eat in or take away. Open Monday to Friday, 10 to 3. Call in or visit our Facebook page to find out about our community events and activities on offer. The Croissant of Inequality. 55 to 57. Holt Road, Kensington. You're listening to Tales of the Unexplained with me, Peter Bercher, and me, David Lloyd, where we'll be looking at the world of the paranormal, conspiracy theories, and the mysteries of the ages. The truth is out there. Hello and welcome to Tales of the Unexplained, the show that looks at the world of the paranormal, the conspiracy theories and the mysteries of the ages. We're broadcasting live from Liverpool as always in Holt Road on 106.7. We are actually Liverpool's only community radio station on the FM wave bands. Um, Tales of the Unexplained, you can get this show a bit later on from half five up tonight on Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R speaker.com so for the next two hours we're going to be speaking to chris styles he is from 365 pin code chris believes that we are all all have intelligent mathematical blueprints in our lives and also believes that we need to rethink the notion that our lives are not just a random set of experiences it's going to be really, really interesting chat. Second part of our show, our guests are in already, actually. <laughs> We've got Natalie from UK Identify, uh, UFO Identified, and Sasha Christie, old friend of the show. <laughs> nice to see you back, Sasha. Hi. 
happened. It's been a long time, hasn't yeah, it? It's been a while. You were probably my first UFOologist <laughs> some years, ten years ago. Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. And that little silky voice there is Mr. <laughs> David Lloyd. How are you, David? Afternoon, guys. How's things with you? Fine, thanks. Not too bad at all. You might be doing a, a bit of a slot. We're going to see how, how the show how unfolds the goes, today yeah. for the next yeah. two hours or so. Okay. Okay, so um, as I say, we can you can get tales of them explained on Spreaker. Uh, we're going out on Facebook and other social media sites. So joining us now for our first interview is Chris Styles. He should be on the end of this phone now. Chris? Yes, hello, Peter. How are you? Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Just to introduce um, Chris, we've got Dave Lloyd in and we've got Natalie Hi, and Chris. Sasha. They're going to be guests on the Hi, show, Chris. but they're really interested in, obviously... Hi, your talk here as well. So, Chris, could you just give us a little insight into your life and, and, and your beginnings and, and the lead up to 365 PIN code, please? Yes, of course, Peter. So, let me begin by saying that I've always had a tremendous interest in numbers. Um, <coughs> I wouldn't extend that to maths, but definitely numbers. So, for example, when we used to go on a family holiday and we would spend a couple of hours in a car traveling from point A to point B, invariably I was very bored. And what I would do is add up the numbers that you see on the number plate in the car in front of you. So if the registration was TS71341, I would add 71341 and come up with a number 16. And that would be, oh, that, that, that's a car number 16. Now, I had no idea why I was actually doing this, but it used to give me a tremendous amount of pleasure. What has subsequently been diagnosed much later in life, in, in fact, only since I actually arrived here in the UK two years ago, is that I see and experience the world through a completely different set of filters in that I score very high on the autistic spectrum, and I also have Asperger's. So therefore, numbers and number patterns and number sequences are how I make sense of my environment, if you will. So Peter, this began at a very, very early age, but of course I didn't understand it. Um, the schools I was at never understood it. The universities I was at never understood it. Um, the employers uh, never understood it, no matter how many um, leadership development programs I went on. It was never picked up that I experienced and see the world through a completely different set of lenses. The closest they came to was one leadership development program telling me that I was very different because I was a metaphoric thinker. But to come back to the actual question, the person who had the greatest influence on my life was my dad. And my dad is a mathematician, or was a mathematician, bless his, bless his soul. Um, he uh, was trained in physics, and he always used to say to me, Chris, mathematics is the language of the universe. Mm -hmm. Once you understand mathematics, and with and through mathematics, you can basically understand the universe, the concepts of the universe, the principles of the universe. And I... I, I did okay at maths, I wasn't brilliant at maths, but numbers just sp spoke to me in, in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And I can very clearly remember um, always wondering, you know, if maths is the language of the universe, 
and everything is a mathematical design, which when we actually finally get there, we realize this to be true, then are we ourselves not an intelligent mathematical design? Now, I had absolutely no idea how to pursue this, and so life took me down many different uh, paths. Mm -hmm. um, I qualified as a research scientist. I did my master's degree in ecology and applied zoology. I then eventually quit uh, the world of scientific research and went into the into the corporate world uh, where I served on the exco of a um, leading um, South African retail bank. And I worked my way up and I basically drifted way away from this original um, love for numbers. Um, and then there was, a, there was a moment in my life when everything changed and suddenly uh, I started to search for truth again because it's like, hold on a moment. How did this happen? How did that happen? Did I wake up one morning and actively plan for the, for the past three, four years of my life to be such a living hell? No, I didn't. And so I began a journey to try and discover, is there possibly something more to this than meets the eye? Um, which led me down the road of personal development. Uh, my wife and I ran a talk radio show in South Africa successfully mm -hmm. for three and a half years. We interviewed some of the world's top uh, life and business uh, success teachers. But, and, and, and all, but nothing ever just buttoned it down. It was almost like, why, why are things happening to you the way they happen, when they happen, and how they happen? And uh, I could just never really get to grips with what I call the, the, the golden nugget. And it always came back down to dad always saying to me, Chris, you can chat to me about anything as long as you can show me the proof. And that, that installed a level of, of discipline and critical thinking on a research level inside that was always around when you say something, you need to be able to justify it. It cannot just be a random event, a once-off. You need to look deeper um, and you need to start moving beyond, if you will, um, anecdotal information into dealing with, with uh, information that has sufficient rigor to it that you can actually say, hold on, this has got scientific robustness. And so, Peter, that's really how the journey began, um, was me trying to make sense of my life. And it ultimately led uh, to what we're going to be chatting about today, um, which is the fact that I absolutely now know and can prove beyond all reasonable doubt that every single one of us have an intelligent mathematical blueprint um, and that we are experiencing life uh, through a very, very carefully designed matrix of numbers. Wow. Does, does, does that mean then, Chris, that everything is, is planned out for us? Is, 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 is that what your formula would, would come up with? Everything's <clears throat> planned out? Well, well Peter, let's, let's look at it this way. And I'm going to take a step back, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go back to South Africa, which is the country I left to relocate to the UK. 
In South Africa, uh, you still have religious values as being very, very highly prized in society. Mm. So a lot of families, a lot of South African families, especially the, the, the ones that uh, subscribe to uh, very powerful re religious doctrines, would say, look, there should be no sex before marriage. And then, lo and behold, the daughter of the family falls pregnant at the age of 19, and this is out of wedlock. Now you suddenly have shock and horror and trauma and shame and all of these emotions running through her and the family because nobody can believe that this event has happened. Anyway, um, I actually researched a, 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 an identical situation to this. And when I unlocked her intelligent mathematical blueprint, which happens through a whole bunch of modeling that I do, it's not just through numbers, it's through actually combining numbers into a model that generates a, a series of sequences. There, lo and behold, is her, uh, her, her pregnancy and, and a child. So this event, which brought such shock and horror into this family on the back of the paradigms that they have, which were inculcated into them through religious doctrine. You know, there it is clear as daylight that at the age of 19, she was going to fall pregnant and have a child. And what I have found, um, Peter, is that this happens over and over and over and over again. So we, 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 would, we would see, for example, a failed marriage maybe as being a disaster. Yet, when I run the intelligent mathematical blueprint of the client sitting in front of me, their clear as bell in the numbers sits the divorce. There sits um, uh, uh, success. There sits failure. There sits times of, of, of difficulty and, and times of abundance. And this makes so much sense, Peter, because if you actually take, for example, the uh, American life coaching model, which is rah, 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 motivation. You know, you've just got to be on your A game all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's not sustainable. And I, I love the, the great thinkers of this world, like the Einsteins, who would you know, say, for example, if you want to understand so much more about life, look deep into nature. Well, when we look deep into nature, what do we see? We see seasonality. So therefore, there is winter, there is spring, there is summer, and there is autumn. So if, if what we see in nature is resplendent through these patterns and these sequences, why would this not be the case in our life? Why would our life not be organized or constructed in such a way that we have periods that are lean, periods of abundance, periods of trauma, etc.? Um, and, and this is exactly what the, uh, the, the, the research that I have done for many years now has revealed. Um, this is a journey that began back in 2017. So understand, you know, me getting to this point is not through, a, it's not a flash in the pan. Um, in actual fact, it really goes back to um, a, a very important work that I found, uh, in fact, uh, Suzanne, my wife, found it for me, written by a Princeton mathematician. And what this chap alluded to is he alluded to the fact that um, using maths and 
using letters and using numbers, there should be no reason why we can't actually begin to understand the architecture of life and more importantly, the architecture of our life. And it is, it is that which spurred me on to search and to hunt and to search and to hunt and to research and to build and to test to ultimately get to the point now where, yes, Peter, as um, much as it will shock people uh, you know, listening to this program, there is absolutely no doubt that our lives are happening according to a grand organized design. And the question now is what on earth is the phenomenal intelligence that is behind this design? Hmm. Because it is, it is mind-blowing. So, but, but Chris, is is your birth date the the beginning of of your analysis on everyone? It, it's it's all about the day that you're born. Well, Peter, interesting that you should raise the birth date because uh, anyone who is interested in the world of metaphysics or spirituality, whatever, the moment you start talking birth date, um, probably the first thing that will pop into their mind is numerology. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there are different views on numerology. Some people love numerology. Other people, the moment you start talking about numerology, they, 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 they roll their eyes heavenward and just think, oh, for goodness sake, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just can't be bothered with this hogwash. What is, what is absolutely a fact is that your name and the day that you are born on are critically important data points that form the construct of this intelligent mathematical blueprint or data matrix through which you are going to experience life. Mm -hmm. So therefore, to answer your question, Peter, yes, it does begin with your date of birth, but there's so much more to it. And if I can digress uh, for a second, Peter, um, and just talk about numerology, Um, One of the problems with numerology is that whilst it has tremendously sound principles, and in fact, many of the principles in numerology are what I leveraged into building this predictive mathematical model that I now have and use um, in in order to uh, research this field of human futurology, which is the the, the discipline that I'm, I'm, I'm busy developing as a human futurist. But when you start talking about numerology, the problem is that you'll go online, you'll call up uh, a video about numerology, you'll have some numerologist uh, being interviewed. And for example, let's, let's take the number 28. They'll be talking about the number 28. And then they will make a broad sweeping statement. And, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, the number 28 is the number that is guaranteed to be associated with riches. How do I know this? Because Elon Musk is born on the 28th, Bill Gates is born on the 28th, so therefore it is the number of money and power and business and riches and all of that. Now, that's a case study of two individuals. And immediately they're putting this information out there that the, that the, 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 the 28th of the month is an uber-powerful day for, for wealth which actually is complete rubbish because if you think about africa if you think about third world countries you have got 
millions of people that are born on the 28th, and my goodness me, they most certainly do not have wealth. The next thing that they'll do is they'll say that this number attracts money. So if you're born on the 28th, you don't have to worry. Your money will just come to you. Well, that, that again, you go to the third world, that's an absolute load of rubbish. And this is sadly where something like numerology gets a really bad rap because you've got these broad sweeping statements that anybody who is a critical thinker will immediately stop and say, no way, that dog just doesn't hunt. You know, that, that, that's, that doesn't make any sense. And so on the back of that, whatever wisdom exists within, for example, numerology is immediately swiped off the table because it's considered now to be complete garbage and woo-woo. And this is why a lot of the, uh, the ancient skills, if you will, like, for example, numerology in its pure form, um, have, have been lost. And it has been a great joy for me um, to discover wonderful principles within it um, and to then begin to leverage them, research them, and see how I can bring what they represent in terms of patterns, sequences, intelligence, and seasonality into, for example, the predictive mathematical model. All right. But see, the, the likes of like Nikola, Nikola Tesla and stuff, he was obsessed with three, six, nine, them numbers. <laughs> Is that the same sort of thinking? Well, Peter, how interesting that you should say that. Now, Nikola Tesla is probably one of my favorites. Um, you know, you talk Tesla, you talk Einstein, I get, I get goose flesh because they just light up my neurology. <laughs> uh, the great, great, great minds of this universe. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Nikola Tesla talks about three, six, and nine. Now, why? In fact, he's on record as saying, if you think in terms of three, six, and nine, you will begin to understand the universe. Now, we, one, one can do all kinds of gymnastics with the numbers around three, six, and nine, and combinations and permutations, and you know, uh, but you can also distill it down into its simplest form. And I love simple things because simple things work and simple things make sense. And the moment you've made sense of something, the penny drops and then it becomes a tool in your life as opposed to just something that's anecdotal. So when you're looking at numbers and if you will, the traits of numbers, the primary trait of the number three is creativity. So let's park that. Then we look at the number six. And the primary trait of the number six is responsibility. So now we've got three creativity, six responsibility. And then when you're dealing with number nine, you are dealing with completion, you're dealing with consciousness, and you're dealing with humanity. So isn't it amazing to take a step back and look at the, the three numbers that Tesla was obsessed with? Creativity, responsibility, consciousness, and humanity. And isn't just in those four words, isn't there such a very powerful life lesson? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a question, Natalie, sorry. Yeah, I've got a question. So if, if everything is mapped out in the way that you say it is in regard to numbers, does that mean we can't influence how our life changes as the future goes on? If it's already mapped out or is there a way that we can change what's coming? Natalie, such an interesting question. Um, I, I do not believe that um, 
everything is mapped out to the T. Um, but what what is important is to think about ourselves as a pyramid. Now, um, let's take, for example, a, a pyramid, and let's say there are maybe 10 levels, with, the, with level 10 being the apex of the pyramid. Now, within that pyramid, um, we can move from level 1 to level 10 in terms of potentiality. And this is the one thing that I've seen, is I've looked at intelligent mathematical blueprints of a person who achieved tremendous things in life and you can absolutely see that they optimized and maximized their potentiality potentiality but then along the way there was a tremendous amount of nurture there was the correct growth the correct stimuli etc etc to get this person to ultimately achieve incredible things so the learning and the experiential environment for growth and all of that was there now, if you take another an, another person with, with very similar characteristics and they're not exposed to the same stimuli, well, they will never attain or achieve the same things in life. So there's definitely, you're dealing with a nature-nurture debate. Uh, but, there, but there are definitely very, very, very important um, uh, moments that are coded in our life, and, and they've come up over and over again. Um, moments of tremendous success. Now, again... You know, if you are if you are looking um, at at an intelligent mathematical blueprint of a person, and you can see that this is a moment when the numbers converge in such a way that they are golden. Um, in other words, it is what I call a protagonistic combination of numbers and sequences that are happening. Well, there you can imagine if the person has really developed themselves and utilizing their full potential, you know, it's, it's, the harvest will be so much bigger than someone who hasn't been utilizing or developing their potential. So it definitely does bring into play as you sow, so shall you reap. Um, but having said that, um, there is no doubt when I look at, in, at an intelligent uh, mathematical blueprint that you can definitely see Moments that are golden, that are opportunistic, moments that are difficult, that are troubled. One of the things, Natalie, that I never try to do, I, I never try to be this person that's gazing into a crystal ball where I can say, this is what the event is going to be. I cannot do that. That's absolutely impossible for me with my skill set to do. But um, mapping, mapping the person's life from birth through to age 100, which is what I do, I can most definitely see a timeline and years when certain events are, are happening. And therefore, there is a tremendous amount that can happen in the way of, of uh, strategic thinking and planning around that. And this is not only true in terms of understanding your life in retrospect, but also being able to look at your life in a, in a, in a, in a futuristic view. I mean, one of the things that was always said to me is it's impossible to know the future. And I was always curious about that. I am just naturally an extraordinarily curious person. But I actually now, I actually now beg to differ um, in terms of the fact that there is no doubt that this um, data matrix that is the result of the predictive model I've generated does allow you to look to your future with a level of intelligence um, that, that is actually quite mind-blowing. Mm. So, uh, Chris, just to take it back, is, is there such things like lucky numbers and things like that? 
on <laughs> you know well, the, the basic the form you want, yeah not just the lottery but just the, <laughs> do, do you know what i mean I've, uh, I've been plagued by the number 13 all week and i don't know why i just keep seeing 13 13 every time i look at my phone yeah like a, a minute ago well a few minutes ago i looked at the clock and it was 3 13 but it was only the 13 that jumped yeah. out me because i've seen it already about six times this week so <laughs> is that something that would be happening to sasha or is that just is she just looking at that because it's double numbers? I've been looking at two, two, two all week. I've just but been it's just seeing that. Not yeah, not a normal thing for me to yeah. kind of go. And a lot of people around me will say, "Oh, it's it's twenty two, twenty two, and you know they make a big deal about it." But I really don't. But this week has been. I've just been bombarded with mm. seeing the number thirteen. Oh, do you see? Do you see the number eleven, eleven? <laughs> yeah. Is, is is that got anything in regards to what what's happening out there? That seeing these numbers. Peter, um, when it comes to lucky numbers, uh, I think what is incredibly important is firstly to understand the construct of your PIN code. Yeah. Um, and uh, this goes back to the business that we created, the website that we have, 365pincode.com. Yeah. Because, because there's, there is no doubt that the numbers that are critically important in my world would be would would be different from the ones that are in your world because you've, you're born on a different day and also you've got a completely different name so you've got it you've got a you've got a different um, numerical cocktail if you will to me now when it comes to lucky numbers again you know what is luck um, yeah. Yeah, is it is it is it uh, slotting them into in, in, into a euro millions ticket and thinking that's it I'm going to smack the jackpot? Um, I think the the luck inside of numbers resides with intelligence when you actually begin to understand. And it's it's so interesting that the number thirteen has featured so powerfully um, in in, uh, in 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 the week of. Of, of one of the, the, the guests in your studio. Yeah, Sasha. I think her name is Sasha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, num the number 13 is often considered to be a very unlucky number. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, if you climb on board an aircraft, you'll notice that there's never a row 13. Yeah, um, yeah. However, <laughs> you know, what, a, what a dreadful misrepresentation of a number. Because the number thirteen is is actually a number which is which is grounded in earth. In, in other words, when you see number thirteen, it is something that is practical. Um, it is something that is systemic. Um, it is it is something that is always bringing you back to earth. It is um, you know, asking or calling. Uh, for you to be practical, for you to be logical, for you to think things through, um, almost apply SWAT type thinking. And then the number 13 also has got two numbers inside of it, a one and a three. And one always is the individual and three is creativity, communication, joy, happiness, etc., etc. So when you take those numbers and you combine them, there are themes that are combining around these various numbers that could trying to get a message through to you um, and I, I think that you know, um, we are not conditioned to look for numbers we really aren't I, I'm just incredibly I, I, I guess it's, it's um, the, the fact that I am autistic but I've always seen numbers 
people mm-hmm. don't see them. I see them all the time, but yeah. I don't see what other people see. Uh, mm-hmm. I see numbers around me all the time communicating, and this is definitely how I make sense of my world. And I certainly know that um, the messages that they're giving me are very powerful and very relevant. Chris, I've got a question. So when you when you're trying to work out somebody's pin code or life, you know, through the life, do you actually break down the name into numbers? Yes, um, I, I combine letters, I combine numbers. Um, it, it's it's a whole series of calculations, um, and ultimately, um, all these various data points. Um, combine into a mathematical model and uh, this mathematical model then starts to produce um, sequences and rows of numbers that basically define or theme or give you an insight into your life from birth all the way through to 100. And the thing is, you know, this, this is laser accurate. And the reason I can say that uh, w- with tremendous confidence is because this is massive amounts of research that I've done. It's, it's not as if I've just done this for fun and built a chart here and built a chart there and tested this and tested it and said, oh, this is interesting. Look, gosh, uh, yeah, I can see a bit of a trend. This is something that I've been doing nonstop since 2017. And so I have built and analyzed thousands and thousands and thousands of charts because i'm scientifically trained i know how to look at data and understand whether the data is actually revealing that there is intelligence and that there is statistical robust to this or not um and and it's there it's all there i mean in in actual fact uh, let me let me uh, digress for a second um a mining company in South Africa, the CEO approached me and said to me, look, I've heard of the work that you do. I'm inherently skeptical, which I would I would imagine because he was an engineer, um, but I would very much like to have a consultation with you. So anyway, he gave me all the various bits and pieces. I ran his intelligent mathematical blueprint. We set up a consultation. He came and he sat there. And I basically revealed his intelligent mathematical blueprint and and his journey and areas and times when I thought there was tremendous difficulty. And by the time I'd finished, he actually just said to me, "I, I cannot actually believe this. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I said to him, well, it's, it's just because we're not conditioned to think that we could have a mathematical blueprint or that we are actually an expression of mathematics and um, after you know, after a couple of hours he just said to me the, the problem that I have is that this is so far out there that there is no ways that I can risk taking this type of intelligence into for example my executive management team yeah. And I said to him, but I, I don't understand why not. And he said, because actually I'd be putting my career at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I was actually quite horrified. And, and he said, Chris, he said, everything that you have revealed to me today is laser accurate. Now, this is the CEO of a mining company. So you know, if, 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 I was, if, if I was basically sprouting a whole lot of rubbish, he would have just said to me within 15 minutes, look, you're wasting my time, just you know, take yeah, my yeah. bike. Yeah. Um, 
But in actual fact, he was so shaken and visibly shaken by this experience that he said to me, you know, I actually don't know what to do. So I said to him, well, you know, the, the beauty of this intelligence is think what it means in, st- in terms of strategic thinking, strategic planning, thinking about your world differently. And he just said to me, I cannot risk taking this type of stuff into my executive because they will think that I've gone mad. And on the back of that, that's probably my career, and I, I cannot afford to do this. Um, and I think what, what I am very proud of is the fact that no matter how um, disruptive this research is that I have done, it is absolutely accurate. I can prove it over and over again. I will sit down with absolutely anybody, no matter how powerful they are, and I will show them their blueprint, and it will leave them flabbergasted. And uh, it also reveals clearly that we have such limited understanding of what is really going on here on Earth. Because all you've got to do is take a step back and say, if I have this intelligent mathematical blueprint, and so do you, Peter, and so does uh, Sasha and Natalie and and, and the the other... uh, Dave. Can, can, can you imagine what you're dealing with? Yeah. So you Where see, does this come from? Who, I was going to say, Chris. Intelligence behind the scenes. Put this together. Chris, uh, I mean, one of the things that, that we pick up uh, in this show is we look into different things, and it seems that uh, the elite and the Illuminati live by numbers, certain rituals on certain dates. So they've got some sort of superior knowledge that the ordinary man in the street doesn't have. Would you agree to that? <laughs> of course I would agree to that. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing is, the world that we live in has been intentionally kept dumb. Wow. Yeah. And I, I cannot, now, I cannot believe that I am the only person who has discovered the fact that from birth you have an, a numerical experiential life path data matrix that is laid down that is 100% going to affect your journey. So so th- that begs the question, Chris, then, if, uh, if certain um, agencies who have got this sort of information, they would know somebody... Uh, when they were born on a certain date, that further down the line in their lives, they may turn out to be very, very important people in politics or whatever. Peter, to, yeah. to give you an idea of how powerful this work is, um, and it's so interesting that the Illuminati was raised and um, Masons and all of that, and of course uh, in, in the Master Number 33, Um, May I digress for a second and share with you um, a a case study that I did on Bill Gates? Yeah, that'd be perfect. Right, so the the study subject is William Henry Gates, uh, born on the 28th of October 1955. So this year he is 67 years of age. Everybody knows Bill Gates. He's this incredible philanthropist. Uh, he has done amazing things, the founder of Microsoft, etc., etc., etc. You know, multi, multi, multi billionaire. Right. 
So, how do we calculate his life path sequence? Well, it's very simple. We add the numbers in his date of birth. So, it's 28 plus 10 plus 1955. I'm just going to do this. There's no need for you to do it your side. All right. I'll probably pan down. <laughs> it gives us a life path sequence of 1993 slash 22 slash 4. Now, the 22 inside of that life path talks to a master builder. Now, whenever you see a master builder, the number 22, it's someone that has tremendous potential to be able to build things on a grand scale. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey has a number 22 life path. So does Bill Gates. So does Donald Trump, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, the, 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 it, it, it is there, it is evident. Now, the interesting thing is that if you take the name Bill Gates, Bill and Gates, and you add up all the various numbers that define that, it works out to 33. So the name Bill Gates totals 33, which is the highest master number that you get. His life path is the master number 22, which is the master builder. And contained within the number 22 is a lower octave, which is the master number 11, which is the visionary. So when we are dealing with Bill Gates, we are dealing with someone who's got three master numbers inside of him, 11, 22, and 33. Now, that is incredibly rare. Incredibly, yeah. incredibly rare. So therefore, the power inside of him as an individual is massive. Now, uh, we all know that he has achieved an enormous amount, but the thing is, if I were looking at someone who'd just been born and I was running the numbers, immediately this would stick out as, wow, there's something incredible here. Mm -hmm. Now we go and have a look, okay? What year did he start Microsoft? Now, this is where it starts to get absolutely mind-blowing. And this is where you realize that things are not happening according to some random design. They are happening according to a highly, highly thought through architecture. Microsoft was started on the 4th of April, 1975. Now, if you write that date down, 4-4-1-9-7-5, the 4th is a 4. What has Bill Gates got? A 22-4 life path. So there's a synchronicity on the on the day. It start, Microsoft started in April, the fourth month. There's a synchronicity in the month. It started in 1975. If you add 1975, what do you get? 22. So there's the career, there's the life path synchronicity. So the day that Microsoft started, the sequence was 444. And Bill Gates' life path number is a 4. Wow. Right. So, okay. So now we say, oh, 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 Chris, that's interesting. That's really interesting. But, you know, come on, give us something a little bit more because that's just one little bit or, 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 of evidence. Right. So now let's take the day that Microsoft started on. 4 April 1975. 4 plus 4 plus 1975 gives you 1983. Now, in terms of how I work with numbers, the way I calculate a person's career attainment sequence is by adding the day that they are born on and the year that they're born in. So in the case of Bill Gates, it's 28 plus 1955. 
What do you get? One, nine, eight, three. So the very day that Microsoft was founded, the sequence was one, nine, eight, three slash 21 slash three, which synchronized perfectly with his career attainment, which is one, nine, eight, three slash 21 slash three. Now, Peter, I can, I do this over and over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes the numbers are different, but when you are, when, when you can read numbers, when you can understand numbers, when you know where to go and look and search for the patterns, it's all there. And you suddenly start realizing, hold on a moment, nothing is random. Uh, and, and, you know, on, I, I recently published um, uh, on 365pincode.com um, a, a bit of interesting research um, that I did into the intelligent mathematical blueprint of um, Anders Breivik. Now, you may, you may recall that he was the Norwegian mass killer. Um, he went on the rampage on the 22nd of July 2011 um, when mm-hmm. he, he murdered that. Uh, yeah, yeah. north of 70 people. Yeah, yeah. And... When, and the reason I'm doing this is because one of the fields that Suzanne and I are interested in is criminal futurology. Mm-hmm. So when I um, uh, did all report. these numbers and ran the model and looked at the sequences and looked at the themes that were defining certain years, there is no doubt about it that 2011, if, if, if the police or, let's say, security or intelligence or whatever had the intelligent mathematical blueprint of Anders Rydek in, in front of them, and, for example, they understood how the numbers were hanging together, 2011 stood out like a sore thumb in terms of antagonistic numbers. It was, it was a very explosive cocktail that was going down in his life. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Peter, I come back to the... I, I cannot predict the event. Right. But you can certainly look at numbers... And you can certainly look at sequences, and you can certainly look at how they're combining, and you can see whether this is in a, in a positive way or a negative way. And on the back of that, you can begin to start to understand personal risk on a whole different level, especially looking into the future. So, and this is what excites me. Uh, the, the, the work that I'm doing, the, it's, it's groundbreaking work. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not aware of another person in this world that is actually doing this human futurist research. Um, and and I, I think it's because probably when you start to talk about numerology and numerology principles, that's it. You know, the, 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 the trained scientific mind would just say, rubbish, that's it, done, not interested. But... My research is absolutely opening up um, a a Pandora's box around the fact that uh, we know so little about ourselves, about our design, about our construct, about what put us together. Um, You know, this, um, and and surely this is what we should start exploring because the intelligence that designed us is beyond what we can even begin (laughs) to fathom. Definitely. So, so Chris, so so what you're saying is if... If this was done on a broader scale, uh, but and used by intelligence agencies along with other factors, they'd have a better overview of somebody's whole background by using these these numbers as well and the information. Um, sorry, who was that? That's Dave. 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 Uh, let me just. So I'm, I'm going to 
recall um, a case study that I did on Steve Jobs. Now, oh, yes. I, I ran the entire mathematical blueprint of Steve Jobs, and there was one year. So what I do is I, I study all the numbers and the sequences and the patterns from birth through to, obviously, uh, in Steve Jobs' case when he died. Yeah. There was one year that stood out in terms of the fact that it was it was the only year in his life that was defined by the number seven. Yeah. And guess what year that was? It was 2004, the year that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh, blimey. Now, if you look at Steve Jobs, and I were to put his birth chart together, yeah. you would actually see that the number seven resides in the shadow. So in other words, it's not a known number, it's a shadow number. And what is a shadow number? A shadow number is an emotional number. So in 2004, the year that Steve Jobs' pancreatic cancer was diagnosed, there was the number seven presenting, and it's the only time that it presented throughout his entire life path journey. Now, the thing is, as a researcher, when I discover something like that, that is gold, because it is revealing something to me. Now, imagine um, a research institute that has got brilliant minds, etc., uh, etc., et working on this intelligence that, 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 that I have developed. And, and you were to, for example, get the, the information of 500 people and when they were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Now imagine taking all 500 of those people's data, yeah. feeding it into this model, and then starting to do robust statistical analysis of the findings. This is how you suddenly start to turn what I call metaphysics into science. Yes. Now you're starting to say, whoa. And you, know, you may suddenly see, oh my goodness me, there is a recurring sequence that was present in 93% of these people. Suddenly, you've started to create a breakthrough on a numerical mm. intelligence level that could start to unlock forward-looking intelligence around the future diagnostics of pancreatic cancer. This is what excites me about my research. It's brilliant, it's brilliant, Chris. It's, as you say, it's, uh, it's the information that's it's almost proven. If you could do a study with a couple of hundred people, and it, it, well, the, well, the very interesting thing, and here I'm going to return to Bill Gates, because um, I modeled his life path from birth all the way through to age 100. Now, what always interests me is when the life path sequence appears as the theme of a given year, because that means that that specific year is going to have life path significance and it does not get more powerful than that so for example um, a while back i was really interested i had a look at boris johnson modeled his life path lo and behold bang 2019 coconut the moment he became prime minister <laughs> that year there's a critically important sequence presenting when he um, has to step down as pm you can see the antagonistic number sequence coming through. But there it was, clear as a bell, presenting in concentrated format, this critically important sequence for him, defining his 2019, the year that he became Prime Minister. Now, I, I can do this over and over again. Justin, amazing, Justin Trudeau's a lot, but 
to get back to Bill Gates, what is really interesting with a 22-4 life path is there are only two years on his entire journey that are defined by his life path number. And they are 2029 and 2030. So whatever it is that is truly of life path significance for William Henry Gates is going to happen in 2029 and 2030. Up until that point, the number 22 has never themed his life in pure format. It has always been the lower octave and the lower octave or the karmic octave of the number 22 is the number 13. So when I mapped his life, um, the number 13 um, defined his life in 1969, the year he turned 14, 1984, the year he turned 29, and 2042, the year that he turns 87. But only in 2029 and 2030 will, will he have this full-blown, pure life path number-related experience. Now, on the back of that, one thing is guaranteed. Whatever happens during those two years will absolutely be a reveal. Because, look, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy research, I enjoy material, I, I enjoy um, um, people putting um, interesting ideas out there. And a, a lot of stuff has been written of late about Bill Gates and, and you know, uh, the vaccines um, and mRNA technology and all of this, etc., etc. Now, the thing is, I don't have sufficient information right now to be able to give a truly informed view on whether he's up, he is up to no good or not. But one thing I can guarantee is that it will most certainly be revealed in 2029 and 2030, if that is the case. And in actual fact, it will start earlier. Um, it will begin in 2025, uh, and I can see because there are very revealing number sequences that year, and then again in 2027. So that's basically the journey, 2025, 2027, and then 2029 and 2030. And if he has been up to no good, well, I do believe that's when it will appear. If he hasn't, well, then everybody well, will know. Well on, well, on that note, Chris, we'll, we'll, we'll take them dates down and we'll certainly check it back. But listen, we've had nearly an, an hour's talk. It's been absolutely fantastic and, and mind-blowing in a lot of ways. Yes, it has. Um, so your, your website, 365 PIN code, people can just access that and maybe speak to you if, they, if they're interested in getting their IMB done? Peter, absolutely. They, uh, they go on to 365pincode.com. Uh, there's a contact us button. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share this research that I'm so passionate about. And no. I do hope that one of the world's leading universities um, picks up on this podcast. You are actually the very first to interview me on this work. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and that hopefully we That's can actually start yeah. to truly unpack this into something that is so much bigger. Yeah. I know that this is only the tip of the iceberg. Well, we're glad to be the first, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a big success. But not only that, Chris, this this uh, this show goes worldwide. It's uh, we'll send you a copy once it's uh, it's up, and uh, you'll be able to listen to it back and spread it around yourself. It'll go over Facebook and different media in the future. So, thanks very much for coming on. It's fantastic. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, and uh, 
lastly, I'd just like to thank Elaine Nicholson of Action for Asperger's. Uh, she does incredible work. Yeah. And were it not for her, I would not actually understand why I see and experience the world the way I do. Um, you know, how wonderful that this country has leading lights like her to be able to help people like me to hopefully give people out there a different perspective of the world that we're living in. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks again, Chris. We'll Thank speak you. to you soon. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. 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 Well, what an interesting chat. Well, it was interesting, but it, 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 it was throwing that many numbers out. It, it, uh, you've got to really lean back and, and listen to what he's actually saying. That's why I... As, I a, s- as a fellow autistic, <laughs> actually, a lot of that <coughs> made sense to me. And <coughs> all throughout my life, I've been followed by the, the number three. So, like, my first address was, like, three stocks rise, then 33, yeah. uh, 333 Leeds Road, then 33 Ashton Road. Now, I was yeah. at the mercy of my parents... So then I would move on to silly things like my video card number will be 33303. My my bank account number starts yeah. with 33033. Yeah. You know, and... and all of everything is always the threes and my name comes to three and then or 33 depending on how much you break oh. it down you're trying to tell us you're a mason are you? <laughs> <laughs> no but very powerful three 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 yeah, it's yeah. just been a huge feature three threes yeah. in my, my whole life yeah uh, my uh, middle name is claire you know say so like my um national insurance number ends in 33 c so yeah. that's like mm-hmm. it just it's you see just them all always, the time always always yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're going to go for a break, quick uh, break. Uh, we'll come back with um, Natalie and Sasha. We're going Excellent. to be handing it over to you girls. You're going to take us off into the <laughs> ether somewhere. Well. Just to explain, that, uh, Tales of Unexplained, uh, it is for entertainment purposes only, uh, and it does not reflect the views and opinions of Liverpool Community Radio, Kendington Vision, CIC, or presenters. Any information, theories, or stories are merely speculation for the purposes of entertainment only. Did you Except like what Chris said, because Chris said, <laughs> that, was, that was great Thank stuff. Thank you. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to have a go on the radio, then get in touch with LCRFM. Liverpool's only community radio station. We run free, regular introductory radio training courses. To find out when the next one is, email steve at l-c-r.co.uk or call into the studio on Holt Road. And you can find You're out... listening to Liverpool to Community Radio, LCR-FM 106.7, the city's only community radio station broadcasting on FM. LCRFM is available on your smartphone using the tune. You're listening to Liverpool Community Radio, LCRFM 106.7, the city's only. This isn't just any community cafe. It's a grassrooted, gregarious, friendly, affordable home baking, isolation reducing, healthy eating, freshly brewing, welcoming, inspirational community cafe. The croissant of Inequality Community Cafe. 55 to 57 Holt Road, Kensington, L7, 2pm. We sell freshly ground and brewed Italian coffee for only £1 a mug, plus a range of teas, kombucha, toasties, jackie potatoes, snacks, delicious homemade soups. We also sell our own sourdough bread for only £1.50 a loaf. Pay by cash or card. Eat in or take away. Open Monday to Friday, 10 to 3. Call in or visit our Facebook page to find out about our community events and activities on offer. The Croissant of Inequality, 55 to 57 Holt Road, 
Kensington. You're listening to Tales of the Unexplained with me, Peter Bercher, and me, David Lloyd, where we'll be looking at the world of the paranormal, conspiracy theories, and the mysteries of the ages. The truth is out there. Welcome back to Tales of the Unexplained, the show that looks at the world of paranormal, the theories and the mysteries of ages. We're going to follow on with Chris Styles. I think we're all going to go on pin code, 365pincode.com. Yeah. That's very interesting. First chat he's ever done. Yeah, yeah. amazing. He's, he's an amazing guy, isn't he? And, yeah. uh, and this will go out worldwide, this the show. Yeah. So if, if there's any uh, research institutes or universities that would like to take some of the work on, get in touch with Chris. Yeah, I'm, I wonder who is the power behind all of these numbers. He to, he well, it, well, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it said that when, when you not that we advocate that <laughs> on there? <laughs> my theory is it's either artificial intelligence or when you die, you're supposed to have a review of your life, and then uh, you go on this waiting room where you could be here a hundred years, yeah. and then and then you, you you come back into another body. With a, with a certain set of uh, but would what you, you want to do in that life would to you, change. You would have to come back up a different birthday, this wouldn't it? This is a heavy-duty game for consciousness. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Anyway, we'll, we'll start back up again. Anyway, Natalie Pierce, <laughs> UFO, identified. We went to a bit of a talk with the forum the other day, oh, which was, was really enlightening. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Tell us a bit about your organisation. So I'm one of the investigators at UFO Identified, and Sasha... Sasha. Um, we, we met last year when Sasha came to talk at our conference. So we are a group that, well, we cover the whole UK, but we do have a, a Northwest division. Um, and we um, are a group of, of people who've come together who are interested in ufology and the paranormal and everything else that is encompassed around that because we very much believe that the two are interlinked. Yeah. Um, uh, the the group itself was initially set up a few years back by Ash Ellis, who sort of put a shout out there to say, hey, is there anyone who can come and give me a hand with this? Um, so myself and one of the other investigators, Abby, um, sort of joined forces. And then last year we were joined by um, our historian of the group, Steve, who's done a lot of UFO um, research over the years. And that's how UFO Identified uh, was born. So we've got a website at ufoidentified.co.uk. Um, we do a lot of investigations. We do a lot of sky watches. We write a lot of articles. We're often called to go and give um, information, interviews, etc., with the media. Um, all around anything UFO yeah. paranormal related, really. Because yeah. to bring Sasha in as well. Sorry, didn't introduce you initially. Obviously, you've been on the first part of the show. You were probably the first person we interviewed on here who, yeah. who would add next. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. We always get the first on here. Although the first one was thirteen years 2012 ago. Two thousand and twelve. Two thousand and twelve. You know, and it's had a massive influence on your life as well. 
could you talk a little bit about your little pathway a bit in regards well, to... Well, you know, I've had a weird life mm. <laughs> right from yeah. the beginning with paranormal stuff. But um, in 1997, uh, I went to Wales with uh, somebody that I was in a relationship with, his sister and her son. I took my son and their uncle came with us. So we'd seen this massive UFO that came over towards, you know... Uh, it, I think it was actually moving towards Liverpool because we were up on top of um, the mountain. It was like four miles away from Berwyn, which, mm. you know, yeah, is yeah. a familiar yeah, yeah. name to a lot of people yeah. in ufology. And it, this craft was moving off to our right. And as Steve saw it, he came out, He came into the house, grabbed me and grabbed everyone else, and we all went out to watch it. Um, and it was kind of moving away from us, but then eventually it, it stopped and it was stationary for a little while. Mm. Then it seemed to get bigger, but it was actually getting closer. So... Um, it came to be right over the top of us, and then there was a sphere on the ground behind us, literally about 20 feet away from us. It was absolutely m- mental. Um, so from that point on, I had a massive interest in ufology. Um, and that's basically how I got into it. And then, you know, once you've seen something like that, you don't stop looking at the sky. <laughs> so I've seen more stuff, and I seem to see an inordinate amount of things that... Uh, I stopped looking because it fries my head. I don't know what to make of it all. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go outside and you look at the sky where you look, when you look, you see flashes and weird stuff going on. And you're like, uh, I'm like, what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to, <laughs> to comprehend trying to it as well. <laughs> but obviously yourself, Natalie, you know, <coughs> UFO identified. You're trying to put a, a sort of report together for people that come forward. 500 sightings reported yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. 500, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, sorry. They, they come from... All kinds of walks of life, people yeah. who are happy to put their name to it, people who want to remain anonymous, people yeah. who believe, people who don't believe, yeah. you know. Well, I, I, I came across UFO identified, obviously, you know, and they approached yeah, yeah. me to speak. But I'm really impressed with what they're doing because no one else is doing it. British ufology took a nosedive when Graham Birdsell died mm. and it's not recovered. And I find it extremely dull and uh, really hard to be interested in. Um, until this group of people came along and they're kind of, you know, innovative. They're really on it. They're scouring the newspapers for every single sighting that they can find. And not only that, they're putting all the data together and then they're producing data packages about everything, including down to what time of day and which day of the week is that, you know, you're more likely to see something or more reports. You know, no one's doing that. No one's no one's really scouring everything to pull it yeah. all together to say this is what's happening. Like Bufora, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't even know if they're all still alive. You know, I think they're all asleep <laughs> in an office somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just nothing happening, and it's yeah. and, and ufologists should be really dynamic and, and interesting. And we are a very active and group. It's not yeah. at all. by the minute. Yeah. So when I'm, I come across these guys, I was like, this is it. This is Ooh. where it's at. Right. So I'm completely <laughs> engaging with them because yeah. we didn't pay her to say yeah. that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no no one pays me anything. I do everything for free and everyone knows this. So, um, yeah, I just really think that everyone should get involved and support them because it's really what British ufology needs. We've got Paul Sinclair who's doing original stuff. Philip Kinsella and Ronnie, they're doing original stuff. And everyone else is regurgitating stuff that's already been out there a million Mm. years. I'm sick of hearing it. So, you know. I I think one of the things that we do that's different from a lot of what everyone else does is that we're not afraid to say, well, actually that was a star that you saw or that was, you know, whatever it may be, 99% of the things that we research and investigate Mm. that comes through our door can be easily explained by weather, a satellite in the sky, Mm. 
you know, a cloud formation, whatever it may be. And we're not afraid to go back to people and say, well, actually, there's an explanation for that. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't believe everything that we get told. Um, And I think in ufology, there is a lot of, well, we'll, we just believe it. There's not enough critical thinking. There's not enough logic. Um, And and some people want something to happen for a bit of excitement to say it's happened to me and things like that, Mm -hmm. isn't it, as well? You know, absolutely. Um, And it's those small few handful of cases that we live for that actually we say, we don't have an answer for that. Well, we're going to go on to that in there because there must be some cases where you've... What's the process for, for... obviously contacting yourself and do you have imaging and and do you have the latest technology how do you go about it so most people um tend to do their reports through our website at um, www.ufoidentified.co.uk and we've got an actual reporter sighting link on that it's quite a comprehensive document so it will ask you all kinds of things down to you know date time location but even you know, what did you see? What did you smell? What did you feel? Yeah. All kinds of things. And from that, that will then be allocated to one of us um, investigators to go and to go and look at. Um, and normally, that will involve speaking to the person who has made the um, the report if they put their name to it, because not everybody does, because they're a little bit frightened of what that brings. You know. Are people going to laugh Man at them, etc. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. It, Trolls. It, 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 <laughs> you would be surprised. Since since we as a group have got together, how many times we have been booted off air, our internet connections have gone, we can mm. hear people on the end of the phone, people can see thring, things in the background, lights going off, as if we are... That's like a normal day in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> as if what we're saying is somehow being monitored. You know, wow. I don't want to sound like some freaky no, conspiracy person. No, but but yeah. we can hear people in the background, we can hear clicks on phone calls and stuff like that. Um, we, we just laugh it off now and say, oh, well, the FBI listening to us or yeah. whoever it may We've be. We've made it. Yeah, We've yeah. made yeah. it. I call them the insecurity <laughs> services. <laughs> yeah. they, they're quite welcome to join in on one of our calls. Yeah. We've got no problem with that. Um, so, yeah, p- most people do that um, via our website. Um, and then we go back and, and we will report back on our findings to them through that. But we've also got platforms on all the normal social media links, you know, Instagram, Facebook, etc., um, where people will often just contact us and say, I've seen this. Or we get quite a lot of people who will upload an image mm. um, onto Facebook and say, I was in my back garden last night. This is what I saw. I took a brief picture of it Mm. but when they're reporting things on our normal reporting structure there is that opportunity for people to upload audio files or pictures to that Mm. so as an investigator Mm -hmm. we can do a robust investigation and look at as much evidence as as we can really um to do a comprehensive piece of work have you experienced something yourself which i have as in your to bring yeah 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 yeah. could you tell us a bit about of course Um, So one of the things myself and Abby, who is one of the other investigators, want to do is do some sort of regression this year. And we have a conference. It's normally in October um, each year. And this year we want to be regressed and feed back to that conference something um, or the outcome of those regressions. Um, So I'm not going to focus on that too much until we've actually gone through that regression. Um, But both of us have experienced things in our lives that can't be explained properly properly. missing time strange things that have happened that we can't explain that's not paranormal based particularly we don't think but we want to go through that regression experiment but one of the other fields of ufology is um the ce5 field so that's that consciousness experience 
um, that was started initially by Professor um, Stephen Greer over in the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I go out and do some work with the C5 group that's local to the northwest here. Um, it, you know, it's a very active, oh, very I didn't, I didn't know there was one to be honest. Robust group. That's I'll the sort of thing you. we'd be interested in coming down and recording, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, we we quite often be found in the back of a field somewhere. Yeah. Um, so on one of those particular investigations, it's probably about eighteen months ago now. Um, myself and one of the other uh, girls who was involved with it, um, we were on our way to Preston. Uh, which was where we were going on to this farmer's field who has experienced various different strange phenomena in his, both his farmhouse and in the in the field and his farm. Um, it came upon uh, the back of um, a delivery driver who was delivering a food shop in that particular area who saw a craft and he was so freaked out by what he saw he had to pull over to the side of the road and actually ended up going to speak to the farm, um, yeah. the people in the farm, mm. Um, who then told him, well, actually, we see strange things around here all the time. So we got in contact with the farmer um, who allowed us to go and do a C5 experience on his field. So there we are driving along the back roads into Preston. It's about four o'clock on a summer's evening. So it's as light as anything. Mm. And Holly and I, Holly was in the front seat as the passenger and I was in the back seat as the passenger. And then up in the sky, just as quick as anything, was this great big rugby shaped I don't even know what you'd call it. You know when you blow bubbles um, yeah, yeah. Out, yeah, out of you know, a little kid's bubble yeah, tube? Yeah. It has that iridescent kind of mm. multi so, so it's reflective. Yeah. Yeah, it, reflecting it's, the sky, but you yeah, can see yeah. the outline. Yeah, very hard to describe what I saw, to be honest. But that's that's how I would describe <coughs> it is as if it was a blown bubble. It was in the shape of a rugby ball, rugby ball and it was humongous. And it was rotating in mm. the sky. As I say, it was, you know, Daylight, there was, there was, it wasn't a weather balloon. It wasn't anything else that we could say. Yeah, we, we looked um, at the time on all of the, the weather reports and, you know, um, to see if there was any flights in the sky, all of those normal checks that we normally do. And we'd both seen it. And within maybe 10 seconds or less, it had disappeared. So we carried on our drive to get to the farmer's field to be greeted by um, some of the other team that we work with who were all very, very excited, jumping up and down, up and down, saying, you'll never guess what we've just seen. Mm -hmm. And they'd seen the same, same exact same. phenomena as we had, although it didn't appear so large to them. Mm -hmm. it, it appeared quite in the distance. Well, yeah, maybe it turned and yeah. it was going away from yeah. them. Um, and they had seen exactly the same thing. Now, we went on to do all the C5 methodology. So we were playing sounds to the sky. We were sending up those conscious um, thoughts. thoughts, yeah, to, to try and communicate out there. And we didn't see anything all night long, mm. but we saw something on the way. To, yeah. to undertake yeah, that it's, investigation. It's interesting, that. It's, so it sounds like there's something in the area that's uh, making these things well, appear, isn't it? Do you find that there are certain areas where, where there's UFO activity yeah. more? Yeah. In yeah. Beeston and Leeds, I've seen so much. Yeah. A ridiculous amount of stuff. Um, 
in November 2010, I literally smashed my laptop because I got, I went absolutely nuts because I kept seeing all these different things. I was photographing them and I had an argument with my boyfriend at the time about it all because it was driving me crazy. And you know what it's like when you're interested in this stuff and other people mm. are and they start calling you all kinds. Mm. That I literally smashed my laptop and I could kick myself now because of the amount of stuff that I had on there that I couldn't retrieve off the hard drive. Yeah. Um, I seen this, you were just saying that then. Now, this is, I've got a photograph of it. Nobody believes me. It is. It was just this thing that was hovering six feet off the ground and it was made of bubbles that were iridescent mm-hmm. and they were all stuck together and it was like it was like arms of it coming out and it was just hovering and I took one look at it and I took a photograph and I was like I'm getting the hell out of here and I kind of legged it through the pack to get away from it because I didn't know what the hell it was mm-hmm. that whole that like in November I actually saw probably about 20 different things now I thought I was going mad because I kept seeing these cloud formations that were behaving very unnaturally and, and then I found somebody else who'd seen all this and witnessed it and even my son who was in the push chair was pointing at things that were going on in the sky going mummy look mummy look and I thought well it's not just me seeing it it's him as yeah, well yeah. so something in 2010 <laughs> was going nuts over Beeston in 2012 I seen um, this big sphere and I'd seen it before in about 2006 and it was just hanging over Leeds and then it had this little black thing that was zipping about and it was moving from one side. I My mind mm, said to me, been, take yeah. some photographs out of... I was I had a, like a four-story house with a huge picture window up in the attic and I was doing something and I thought I gave in to my urge to take photographs and I had these on the photographs sent to Zoom really. Mm. I put them on a blog. No one's interested. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I've just seen so much in Leeds. It's ridiculous. Well, I, I, I never seen that... That video you put up at the Kent Trail and it was like a silver sphere. The silver sphere that came out of it and it came ca- up, yeah. Up and down, Yeah, now I never said that was a UFO, but I've been attacked for putting that up. In fact, yeah. I took the video down it was, it was very, I got very so unusual. sick of being abused over it. Yeah. It was like, oh, oh yeah, what are you doing filming well, what, this yeah, guy? Well, I was filming this guy because I was into chemtrails and the way that they, dif- they dissipated differently. So they were obviously yeah. made of different things and they weren't behaving like contrails. And I was convinced that something was going on. Yeah. And so I filmed this chemtrail because it was breaking up to into x's and y's in and i was like yeah, what yeah. is that stuff it's weird the way that yeah. it's disintegrating and then as i was filming it this thing just came Silver out of sphere. it and went straight up into the air and i was like what's that silk because right. i was looking at it with it my eyes like, it was like it was checking out the chemtrails to see it what was, was a in silver it ball. Yeah. it was a silver yeah. ball and i said what's that silver ball there that all i said i didn't say what it was so I took that video down because I got sick of all the negative comments mm-hmm. that I yeah. keep getting. Oh, I it. But it's, it's just nuts. Unusual. It's yeah. nuts. And do you find that, Natalie, as well, your investigations are in the same areas sometimes? Is there yeah. a hot spot there's in Liverpool? <laughs> well, there's a lot that are seen um, going up and down the Mersey. As All if right. they follow that route up and down. Because the, the planes do, don't they? No, well, you yeah. said in your in that in talk, talk mm-hmm. about one landing in Croxteth Hall. Yeah. Now, I really wanted to ask you more about that, and this is the only opportunity I've oh, yeah. actually <laughs> had. by Croxteth Hall. Yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah. was that? What's the information on that? It, yeah, someone just driving down through Croxteth as they do, um, and they see a very strange-looking craft that sort of came down and landed in the road, kind what? of thing. Well, yeah. I do. Re- I do remember a case uh, going back oh, many, many years. Somebody telling me that uh, they chased the UFO down across the Thor Lane. This would be about 1966, 67, 
and uh, that's all I can remember as because I was a kid at the time. Mm. But yeah. that that was there's, that was there's quite a few in Croxteth, quite a few in Bootle, but the Mersey Estuary. Yeah, has yeah. a lot of things mm. that can't be explained. Yeah, because I, I remember Mark Rosney again going even just went before Sasha used to come on my show. Yeah. He said like to witness mm-hmm. again where the planes are coming in yeah. was a hot spot. But is that the problem now? Could there be planes? Is it easy it, identifiable? It, You've got drones there now. There's so many yeah. satellites up there. What's real and and, and, and what's not? And it, it's very difficult to know, and that's why when we're conducting our investigations, we look at all of those different tracking things that we can look at, flight radar, etc., looking at the weather patterns, looking at what's going on. Um, but we have had um, quite a few issues where we've had to contact or people, other people have been in contact with um, the... Um, tower at Liverpool Airport and reported um, different incidents and rung the tower to say have you seen what we've seen and a lot of times the things that they've seen have not been detected on radar Um, I can't believe what we saw wasn't detected on radar I can't believe that there were fighter jets coming when it was coming towards us and Steve estimated that it was like a mile across so how can that not be seen it blows my mind did you at the time did you lose any time or was it just yeah we think we did now not not until recently speaking to Steve and he said something and I was like wait a minute yeah we were out there a long time and but we were only out there maybe a couple of hours, but from the start of it to the finish of it, it was probably four or five hours, and we were like, wait a minute, well... And why would something go away and then come back? Yeah, it was weird. We don't really know, but it, maybe, yeah, maybe. Strange, um, isn't it? So when we talk about UFOs, let's open it up. Why Why would they be coming to, the, to here? Why wouldn't why? they be? Why wouldn't they be? Good question. Why? Like, look at where we why live, look be? at what we are, and look at the entire, like... Everything on this planet is amazing. Everything. Mm-hmm. We, we, if we had the technology, would probably go and visit them. Yeah, we to, would. To look and to see if we could pinch any resource from them or learn Study. anything from it. If we could get to where they are, we, yeah. we might be able to. Who knows? But do you uh, think it yeah. is that they're coming for sinister purposes as well? Some you, of them. Well, the hybridisation programme supposed to be going on, isn't he? Uh, yeah. I think it depends mm. on which species that you find yeah. are coming to visit because if you listen mm. to the tales of people who've been experiencers and who've who've sort of come into contact the different species we'll call oh, them loads, of, of aliens mm. um, seem to have different motives for their reasoning to, to, yeah, yeah. to come here um, some being friendly some being not so friendly mm, yeah, yeah. and some being completely indifferent and doing a job I think you know, like, you, t- you look at the scientists in uh, labs that they're experimenting on animals, they're probably not cruel people, but to the animal, they might come across as being cruel oh, because yeah. of mm-hmm. what they're doing to them, but mm-hmm. they're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the same with a vet, even. You yeah. know, the animal doesn't understand what's happening, so it seems frightening. Well, there, are, there are far too many <clears throat> people who claim to be experiencers mm-hmm. For us to just dismiss that. Oh, of course. That yeah, yeah. And I mean, say that's a load of baloney. The guy that used to work, uh, poor fellow's dead now, he seemed like an awful nice guy, Sergeant Clifford Stones, talked at one of the uh, press conferences, I think, in the early 2000s. And he was saying he worked in the military. He said that uh, up to the 1980s, they'd catalogue 57 different types of visitors yeah. that were visiting here. You know, just the greys mm-hmm. alone, I believe there's about a dozen different types. Some are oh. good, some, and they're supposed to be. In some ways, the gulf is for tall aliens. Yeah. Or well, 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 or since the, the telescope that's gone oh, up mountains. recently, the James Webb telescope, mm-hmm. it's you know it's showing that 
Those data are that it's, it's crazy, 80, 84 yeah. billion light years across this universe. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm looking at your website, which is a brilliant website, by the yeah. way. Thank you. I said very it's, professional. Yeah, isn't it? it's it's fantastic. Drake Equation demystified. Now yes. Natalie took I, a look I at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Could you tell us? No, but the the idea was that. Yeah. Th- there's got to be something out mm-hmm. there. Could you maybe yeah. just talk about that a little briefly? So the Drake equation it is a number of years old now. And basically, it, it's a very... If you if you look at it, you'd think, oh, my God, what does that mean? It's all like X's to the power of Y's and all these mm-hmm. big, long numbers and everything. Um, but actually, what it is, is an estimation for, them, for there being intelligent life out there. And um, the Drake equation is said to prove that, yes, the likelihood is that there are planets out there who will have intelligent life on it. Mm. Um, Since the Drake equation has been out there, there's been many people who've tried to sort of debunk it. Many people in the science um, industry feel that there is some meat to its bones, but perhaps it needs amending a little bit because it was done Mm. so many years ago. I I read somewhere that do you reckon it's 10 times more than what the Drake's equation originally was? It's bigger. Because at the time when it was written, we didn't have the telescopes Mm -hmm. we have. We didn't have the information, the internet, and all of the the millions of bits of data that we have now. So I would probably agree with those scientists that it probably does need re-looking at. Mm. But at the end of the day, it shows from a mathematical perspective, which is interesting because of what we've just talked about yeah, with yeah. the numerology yes. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that, It'd that, be all over this, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> if you love it, this. Um, but it, it's, not, it's not saying for certain. It's just giving an estimation for the likelihood yeah. that there are intelligent planets out there that are inhabited by intelligent life forms. Yeah. Whether that be a little tiny amoeba yeah. or whether it be a six-foot grey alien, they're not trying to say. Um, but it's it's interesting that that's been out there for so long, and there's still a lot of people within ufology who give it great credence. Yeah. You know, well, I, I think there's a lot going on in Antarctica that we're not told about. Um, I'm currently doing a, quite a big bit oh, yeah. of research on Antarctica. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, we we've covered we've covered quite a bit on Antarctica. Yeah. Well. Not, not, not the land. It was just yeah. too far too big. About <laughs> <laughs> two, two footsteps, wasn't it? Yeah. But Dave, you've you done a little feature. That was quite uh, interesting. I, I did, yeah. Uh, there was this, there was this uh, alpha team or somebody. He was supposed to go and bring somebody back at somewhere in, in uh, Antarctica. And he came across this octagonal building. And it was massive. The door was something like 18 foot high, so many foot thick. And yet you could open it with one finger. So obviously it wasn't human, it was alien orientation. When he went inside, the temperature was between 68 and 72 degrees, so Mm -hmm. it was warm. It was like a a green lime-coloured light, and all the walls were covered in hexagonal... uh, uh, like hieroglyphics, but it wasn't old hieroglyphics. It was something that you didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. And it went down floor by floor by floor. It was massive. And um, that's one thing that's been covered up. Do you reckon that they found giants a mile down in the ice? And in 2016, Obama and uh, uh, Putin and his religious leaders all went to Antarctica. Obviously, they'd found something and they were showing it to them. Why the hell would they go up there otherwise? You know, maybe, maybe. So there's a lot covered up, and also Admiral Baird found this opening in the, in Antarctica, and he he flew in there, and he was he was greeted by uh, some higher perception person. He was it was actually uh, there was two two German planes that guided him in there, 
And the guy that spoke to me, spoke to me in German, he worried about the uh, atomic explosions that were going on because it yeah. was interfering with other dimensions. Yeah. And he released him because he was he was high up at the time. Yeah. They released him, so he came back out again. And then he never really spoke about it. And apparently that's why the planes can't cross over there because there's a, there's a massive hole that goes into the inner earth that's covered in vegetation and there's bloody, you know, the old... What were the uh, the things with the tusks? The uh, not Woolly mammoths. mammoths. Woolly mammoths. mammoths yeah. They're still roaming down there, you know. All right. uh, and inside, it's like a, it's like a crystal city that's underground. You know, many many miles underground. But there's lots of reports of underground bases around oh, yeah. the whole world that yeah. that people have claimed to be to work in. You know, you have to go back to the the story of Bob Lazar. Um, yeah. You know who who famously claims he worked in one of these bases and looked at reverse engineering and things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who've come out now and, and spoken about these bases that exist, where reportedly we as human beings are working in collaboration with different alien species. Well, I had an experience <coughs> where people and aliens were together, and Anne Andrews, she's the same, and they're American. Mm-hmm. One of them, I was in a like a weird. It was, it was like being in a submarine, but this room was completely like grey metal. It was like pipes and rivets and everything, and you know one of those like arched doorways with the yeah, yeah. with the wheel and yeah, everything. Yeah. And then this guy in a uniform stood in front of me. Now Melinda Leslie, if you look at her stuff, if you look at the Alien oh, Jigsaw yeah. website, she actually on there there's a first, uh, a picture that she drew of this guy in the uniform and one of her like my lab experiences is the same uniform the the cap is is uh, like a particular kind of mm. it's like a little bit taller at the front it's almost like french looking in you know like the canon napoleonic yeah yeah so it was a little bit like that but he had short gray uh, short dark hair and uh, there was just like one red um, emergency light in this room and uh, there was a light outside the 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 portal window yeah I was sat on a, like a little orange plastic chair that was bolted to the wall, and he turned and he just kind of like turned like that, and he said, "Don't worry, it won't take long to adjust." There's no accent in my head. There's no accent, so he was English. I know, was, that, was telepathic or no? He was English. No, no, oh, he was oh, a real oh, person he was, he was speaking. Little, yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is, if he was American, if he was whatever, yeah, I would have noticed Mary's the accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so there was no accent, so I think he was local, because there's no. Mm. It just it just said it like I would. Don't worry, it won't take long to adjust. Not don't, oh. it, but don't adjust to what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because that's, like, that's yeah. all I can remember. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we went down. Or I, I don't know if it was some kind and of just just to explain lift a, a mile or whatever, going up and down yeah, into yeah. Uh, into one of these bases underground mm. or whatever. But I did live quite close to Menworth Hill. Now I'm not saying it's anything to do with that, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. And when you say Myla, what does that actually mean? Uh, well, it's military abduction, but I don't think it's the military. Mm. I, I think it's private yeah. something. I don't think Do it's like connected to like the normal military. Yeah. See, I, I would have thought. I would have thought if uh, if if you were going to take somebody, you'd, you'd you'd definitely put some sort of uh, something in them, like an ID thing under the skin somewhere. There's it, been many many examples yeah. of people who've had. Oh yeah, implants. yeah, and, and, and they don't them, actually yeah. always take you somewhere. They have come into my house and done stuff to me oh, in the house and my ex. Yeah, oh, my um, yeah, they did some. Yeah. So, are other stuff. people in the in the house at that time 
to get a true picture of, or is it the message with your consciousness? What? No, 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 they're actually in house. Physically. No, if you look at my blog, I've put a blog yeah. up because uh, um, Was it Sasha Christie? You, you, the Infomaniac House. Infomaniac. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've put My Lab Gone Rogue. That's the yeah. name of the blog because there was a group of people. One of them was an F1 driver. And I can't remember if it's Jensen Button or one of them. And they were all in the house, this house in Spain. And there was like several groups of people in this large house that were all staying there. And uh, they were all knocked unconscious while they were robbed. Now, one of them was partially still conscious and could hear stuff going on. But every single person in that house was immobilised. They've postulated, oh, if it was going to be like a general anaesthetic, it would have cost like £20,000 to fill the house up. It would have been completely unsafe. Somebody might have died. Mm -hmm. You know, these are really specific things when you have an anaesthetic. You couldn't just fill up a house with an anaesthetic gas and everybody be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so I was like, well, I know there's a technology that can immobilise people because... It's happened to me in my home when I've heard them. I can't move and I don't care that I can't move. I don't care that they're there. I don't care that they're doing stuff to me. You know, they're stomping around with the boots and one of them even kicked my bedside table which had a teacup in it with a spoon in it and I heard the chink. Then I heard the cloth bag drop next to my head which had all metal tools in it, like little metal things. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I've got a house full of kids as well, mm-hmm. and my fellow's next to me. I don't know what the, if they've done anything to my children. Uh, has this happened in uh, where you live This was now, in 2010. Are you terrified at this time? Are you terrified when this is happening? No. Or is it you? No, no, no. No, no, no. You just, it, whatever it is that they use, it renders you incapable of moving, and you're aware for a little bit, and then, but the whole time everything's going on, that you've got no emotionals about it. You don't. Yeah. You're not going. Oh my God! What is this? You're just like, meh, whatever. So uh, let's just get uh, get this clear. This is humans, not aliens. Humans. Humans. So, yeah. because so you have been outspoken, haven't you? Maybe oh, yeah. a, a, a humanoid or something. No, like no, because well. she 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 uh, she covered the the Rendlesham Forest thing yeah, in, yeah. in detail. Yeah. And has spoken at many things, and you know that's one of the things that. The information you don't really want to come out, you know. Mm-hmm. One thing well, yeah, this is it. And also, if you if you imagine, right, you're a genuine abductee. Yeah. Aliens are really interacting with you. You're going to want to know what those people have got in their heads, what they've seen, what they know, what they're doing, mm-hmm. everything. Now, I woke up one day and I had this blue, these blue circles swirling all over, burned into my eyes. Now, I'd woken up, my dream had been that I was sat in front of a black wall on a chair and on this black wall, which was just a brick wall that was painted black, it was nothing fancy, and there were these blue circles of light and they were flashing on the left and the right, then, then left, right, left, right, left, right. It alter, alternated, and as I was kind of like coming around, they were slowing down. So the speed of them was changing and slowing down and stopped. So uh, that's a funky dream until you wake up and these lights are burned into your retina. So, I'm so fascinated with yeah. trainers, and I've got these blue circles swimming on, like trying to blink it away. Like, yeah. like what when is you that? stared at the sun too long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at a light bulb where you've got camera mm. flash, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm like, well, what was that? I've had so many weird little things like that and some horrific things yeah. I don't even like talking about. What you just said there made, made me think of a film of, uh, <coughs> uh, of where they actually, uh, detect, you know, do you want to disable somebody? And you do this, like it's like a camera flash, a couple of flashes, and it must be yeah. the frequency or something, mm. and you're gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I did see yeah, something yeah. about blue light hypnosis somewhere, but I yeah. couldn't find any more information on it. But how would you get information out of a person yeah. if you wanted to know it? You'd Do have to hypnotise them, wouldn't you? Yeah. See, no, I've never seen a ghost. I can honestly say I've never seen the UFO. 
you probably all have. It's, mm-hmm. Is there something physiologically different, frequency-wise, wavelength, or you, your doors of perception are more open? Do you believe something like that could be happening to people experiencing? I wonder this all the time. <clears throat> when I've seen um, a little light that was going across the sky in Bridlington, so I picked yeah. a light out of the corner, you know, like a star out of yeah. the corner of my eye on my right, I thought, that is my point of reference to study myself to make sure that this is not me moving and just see that this is moving. And it was. It moved across the sky until it got to be an inch away from the my point of reference and the point of reference flew away with the light that I'd been watching. Now, you tell me how, out of thousands of points of light yeah. in the sky, I've picked out one that's not a star. Yeah. Now, how does that work? I have yeah. no idea, but that's yeah. the stuff that fracks my head and keeps me awake at night because it yeah. makes me feel like, are they in my head? Are they controlling my eyeballs? Are they yeah. making me look like... <laughs> yeah. You know, like you have really weird thoughts that go through I, your head. I, I wonder, if somebody's coming to the house and uh, disables you so you can't move, whether they put some sort of recording instrument or whatever it could be in your head. I, I don't know how they do it, you know, because... I've talked to uh, James Rink, and he, he he reckons he's got all sorts of implants in his brain, as well as his arms. He, he's a so one of the so-called super soldiers, you know. Mm. He's done about nearly two hundred interviews now, mm. trying to get to the bottom of people's histories who've been all through all sorts of trauma themselves, you know. Yeah. And we've we've interviewed Mary Rodwell. She's a, she'd be a great person to get you Mm-mm. under if she's in the country. Like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not within 20 miles of me. <laughs> She's well, toxic. Well, we, we, we found it very interesting. And I said to Peter, Do you know what, Pete? We've been to, just at St. Anne's, we were. And I, I'm, I swear she's tried to. Uh, She's trying to put me under. <laughs> he couldn't say it, but I thought, yeah. no, she's, I, I can tell, you know. So what events have you got coming up then, UFO Identified? What's happening at the moment? Yeah, we, um, we are just in the process of finalising our dates for the October conference for this year um, and getting the venue and everything sorted and set up. So information will be coming shortly onto our um, website about that. Um, and people can buy early bird tickets at a nice discount. Mm. Um, in terms of events, um, now that the weather's getting nicer, we're hopefully going to get out there and do some more sky watches. Um, mm. Because unfortunately, during the winter, we go, we arrange many, but it ends up snowing or raining. It's or, cloudy. Yeah, it? <laughs> it's cloudy, <laughs> etc. Um, well, you've got a monthly meetup coming up, haven't you? We have. We've. Um, people have been asking for more sort of like social meetings where people can come and and be in a forum that's open and friendly and secure where people and we get a lot of people who will come to them who have never expressed what they've experienced very unsure aren't they a bit wary about speaking yeah yeah but actually, they want to talk and well, they want to tell their realize, story. Once you realise people who got in the same boat. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got um, one of those meetings coming up shortly in Manchester. Um, we've got our next meeting, which is run by myself and Sasha, which is the 4th of May, yeah. um, which will be in Heighton. Um, details and everything are on our um, Facebook. Is it the Croft? The Croft Crofters? Crofters pub. Yeah. yeah. What's that like? Is it all right? Is it it looks know. nice. I've never been, actually. Yeah, in Liverpool. I went and scoped it out last week. Is it nice? It was okay. Yeah. I like yeah, the yeah. outside bit as well, so I um, thought that's got some... <laughs> oh, well. If uh, if we, you know, if it's any good, we might pop there again yeah. in summer so, so there's yeah. an outdoor and bit. if you're in the northwest region you need, we need to get down there don't we yeah. and, that, and, yeah. express it, so. So we're, and we are getting sort of we we have quite regular meetings in sort of Wigan area as yeah, well yeah. Um, where we have made friends with a pub called the Charnley Arms up there it's all pubs isn't it I know it is you're not but soft there are you are. can we mix it with karaoke <laughs> nice <laughs> oh yeah 
UFOs and karaoke, that sounds good. That sounds quite good, they've all done. They have got believers around oh. there who, oh, are, right. who are very interested and come over and talk to us when we're there. So we have done quite a few events there and up in Southport as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, you'll see well, more of those we'll, coming we'll up. We'll spread the next venue out. Is, uh, yeah, know, yeah. I've got various sites and try and get quite a few people. You know, you get oh, 20, brilliant. 30 people. So, yeah. 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 Manchester it, one next and then the next Liverpool one after that. I'm yeah. Brilliant. 15 minute cities. You're going to have 15 minutes. Do you want me to do it? How, how perfect was that? Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have a quick break. Okay. We'll just uh, we'll get ourselves back to uh, back together again, and uh, we'll get back with Dave Lloyd. 15 minute city, very very quickly for 10 seconds. What? 15 15 <laughs> minute city. Go 10 seconds. Well, the concept of 15 minute cities uh, it was devised by a French Colombian scientist, Carlos Moreno, in 2004. Proposes creating cities where people have access to key amenities by travelling no more than 15 minutes. There we go. That sounded exactly like your jingle. Journeys after the break. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to have a go on the radio, then get in touch with LCR FM, Liverpool's only community radio station. We run free, regular introductory radio training courses. To find out when the next one is, email steve at l-c-r.co.uk or call into the studio on Holt Road. And you can find You're out... listening to Liverpool to Community Radio, LCR-FM 106.7, the city's only community radio station broadcasting on FM. LCR-FM is available on your smartphone using the TuneIn app or you can listen live by going to www.l-c-r.co.uk. This isn't just any community cafe. It's a grass-rooted, gregarious, friendly, affordable, home-baking, isolation-reducing, healthy eating, freshly brewing, welcoming, inspirational community cafe. The Croissant of Inequality Community Cafe, 55 to 57 Holt Road, Kensington, L7, 2pm. We sell freshly ground and brewed Italian coffee for only £1 a mug, plus a range of teas, kombucha, toasties, jackie potatoes, snacks, delicious homemade soups. We also sell our own sourdough bread for only £1.50 a loaf. Pay by cash or card. Eat in or take away. Open Monday to Friday, 10 to 3. Call in or visit our Facebook page to find out about our community events and activities on offer. The Croissant of Inequality, 55 to 57 Holt Road, Kensington. You're listening to Tales of the Unexplained. With me, Peter Bercher. And me, David Lloyd. Where we'll be looking at the world as a paranormal, conspiracy theories and the mysteries of the ages. The truth is out there. Okay, welcome back to Tales of the Unexplained. The show that looks at the world, the paranormal, the mysteries of the ages and the conspiracy theorists. And now Mr. Dave Lloyd. Mm -hmm. 
conspiracy theorist extraordinaire. He's got he's got his pad ready. <laughs> got, he's got twelve minutes. Here we go. I've got about twelve pages. Yeah, uh, fifteen Off minutes. Go, fifteen minutes, cities. I was just outlining that. But in in, uh, in the UK right now, we've got uh, LTNs, low traffic neighbourhoods. Right. Okay. And there's been a lot of lot of disagreements with what's going on, especially in Oxford. But they're not only in Oxford; it's in Wellington, Rochdale, Greater Manchester, and Bristol. And this is this is where they're actually blocking streets off. With no uh, nobody's voted on it, the council have just decided to do it, yeah. and uh, the the it's like these big six foot planters. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't just move them, but they've also started putting bollards in now because people were just burning them or pushing them out the way. Oh, I've seen some pictures. And it's yeah. uh, the the idea is that they want to cut down, uh, you know, people traffic traffic. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but they also, did do that in Liverpool, though. You know, did they? Yeah, yeah. We had we had one in Liverpool. Uh, we had Simon O'Brien on here. He was talking about it was, it was for cycle paths originally. That's what it oh, was. Yeah, it was to direct people. Up West Ham yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that's gone, hasn't it? On one yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was stopping <laughs> all the traffic. Yeah, yeah. You know, people want to get from A to B. But the other thing is, you know, uh, I watched the video this morning actually before I came out, and it was a woman who was trying to get to work. And there was two workers there in, in uh, high-vis jackets, and he wouldn't let her through. And, and she's saying, uh, well, if you come this way, you're going to be fine. He said, well, that's fine. I need to get to work. And he wouldn't get out of the way. Yeah, and okay. it, 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 she got out the car, and she started arguing with them. And, I, and then the video stopped then. I, I don't mm. know whether she yeah. whether she got through or not. But the, the idea behind this is, I think, in the long term, it's a precursor to 15-minute cities. It's all about yeah. control. And if you go through these things, you'll be found. You know, you'd be fine, and um, it's not looking good. And you'll have cameras everywhere. This is the other thing. So, what is the concept of a fifteen-minute city then? Well, I've just Please. told you. Yeah, so yeah. You don't have to travel. All <laughs> no, no, no. But you're supposed to work yeah. within the fifteen. Yeah. And shop. Yeah, everything yeah. you need is going to be within fifteen go. minutes. The, the idea behind the fifteen-minute cities is to reduce the dependency of urban residents on cars, leading to lower rates of pollution as well as improving the health of the people who will walk and cycle to access their basic needs. Yeah. Now, the picture that you showed me in China... Oh, that's a different thing. That's... That, yeah. That, that's, uh, you, you, it's yeah. Fenced in, that you've got to get... You need facial recognition to get out through the gate. Ooh, and yeah. and it's, it's just yeah, like if you, if you do see it, it's, it is. Mm. It's now, something like the Hunger Games, isn't it? You look oh, at some very dystopian mm. sort of world, isn't it? the country is like uh, just a set of social experiments. Yeah. All the time, they're just trying out different things on us, and they'll, they'll push and push and just encroach a little bit. Mm. And this, uh, this, these uh, where you can't drive where you want to is a precursor to these these cities. Now, in October 2021, China's Ministry of Commerce announced the country's first batch of 30 15-minute cities, where 15-minute communities, life circles, they call them, would be piloted. In Chengdu, which must be a region of China, you know, mm. was on the list. So already they've got thirty out there. So that'll be like an experiment. See if we can do what they want to do with them, mm-hmm. and then move on to the next group. Yeah. But do you think it's? Do you think we're, we are under control with everything? Do you think? think it, do you think it is a conspiracy? Yeah. Do you think we just believe in every conspiracy? 
I don't. Or but do, I don't, that yeah. doesn't mean that they're not true. Just because yeah. I, I'm, you know, it's yeah. overwhelming, isn't it? The amount of crap that's going on, and you think about how they're, they're trying to bottleneck everybody and funnel us into certain ways of living and certain ways of being. Mm. You know, this person that they want us to be doesn't really exist in reality because if they did, then it would just happen naturally. You know, like all the way that, you know, the community standards on social media, they aren't to protect anyone really. They're like a punishment system. Yeah. And uh, it's like a behavioural modification because they're trying to get you to be a a certain type of person. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I've been banned many a time. I've just got a restriction on my account because (laughs) I said that if if someone (laughs) sexually assaulted me by coming up to me and kissing me, Mm. I would give, I would punch them in the throat so i can't even say what i would do if someone sexually assaulted me i can't even say that like yeah. you know i said well you know it's just well it's just all of it is about modifying human behavior and the way that we live our lives because it's too inconvenient for them to have people with their own individuality yeah they just mm-hmm. want it to be easy so that it's easy on paper and it's easy well, in it, their finances or whatever it is even on my home page it says uh, your your account is restricted only you can see this page mm. <laughs> crazy and that's been on for months but do you think sometimes that the stuff that you're putting out there maybe is scaring people and, and it's got no foundation to it I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate in the way well, no, I think you should be able to say what you it want to say yeah. about anything yeah. freedom of speech yeah. but yeah. of course it's worldwide Facebook isn't it and in different countries there's different rules isn't it there's totalitarian states and that. You know, look at TikTok they're trying to get that band over here now aren't they because I it's, love uh, TikTok yeah. it's just full of crazy people doing yeah. crazy, crazy dancers yeah. that's yeah. all I know it's full of people being yeah. who they are I know it's great yeah. like that, that to me is, is exactly what it should be you can mm. and like, you're right, you can't use your free speech for actual hate speech because mm. hate speech is not free yeah. yeah yeah but you know uh, like if you want to be an authentic person and find out all your quirks and everything that's wrong with you go on tiktok because you'll find out within five videos <laughs> that you're autistic if we could just talk for <laughs> a, a couple of minutes about the internet of things this yeah, is the way yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the way to try to connect us through smart cities, smart cars, smart phones, smart motorways, smart homes, and of course, smart meters. Only <laughs> today did I get another letter off the gas saying that my gas meter's old and it needs to be updated and we'll put a new smart meter in. And while we're there, we'll put the smart meter in for the electric as well. I ripped that yeah. one up like I did the other 20. Along with the bell. Smart stands for self-monitoring analysis and reporting technology. The smart illusion of convenience, but in reality, it's just a digital control and surveillance system. That's the way you've got it here. And in England, there's actually there's lots of cities proposed for this uh, 15 minute cities Canterbury, Ipswich, Bristol. Birmingham and Sheffield. I don't think it's working in Liverpool. I was going to say, can you imagine what <laughs> Liverpoolians would say about that? Yeah, I think there's yeah. yeah. one place in the whole universe, 48 billion light years, Liverpool's not having it. In no way. <laughs> but it's, it's not just in this country, it's worldwide. Yeah. You've got other countries outside yeah. the UK. You've got Paris, Melbourne. I'd imagine they'll kick off there. It's not going to go down well in France. Yeah, France, yeah. There'll be no messing around. Detroit, Portland, in Oregon, and Ottawa. So it's not just there, it's everywhere, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and they'll do it little increments. That's what they do. They push the envelope, push the envelope, and knock people down. And it's like, it's, isn't it funny? Because uh, our, our uh, pension age went up a few years ago from, well, I think it was from 65 to 66. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a thing happened. 
Yeah. As it happens, on the seventh of April, I'm sixty-six. I'll get my first pension. Yeah. And, and for uh, any listeners out there, you wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> twenty-five. Yeah, twenty. But uh, you know, a few years ago, it would yeah. have been sixty-five. But now in France, they're talking about putting it up two years. And yeah. It's kicking off. Of it's kicking off big time. Yeah. But you know, do you know, like a lot of these programs, like you know, Handmaid's Tale is a bit extreme and such. But this dystopian world. Do, do you think? <laughs> That's Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll put my disclaimer at the end. Don't worry. But um, do you think we're getting closer to to, to this in the world? Because yeah. we've done discussions on lowering the population worldwide, going down mm. to five hundred million from. Se- yeah. It, it it is possible you, you, you've got pandemic you've got all you know food shortages is it is it a plan do you believe it could well, be a possible well you know plan? agenda th- or are we paranoid? you know agenda 30 which is coming in a, you know 2030 uh, isn't it funny that chris styles mentioned in two years 2930 would be uh, a big year for bill gates yeah because yeah. that's the year that they want <laughs> they want everything to be in place by then which will yeah. be a dystopian totalitarian yeah, world yeah, yeah. I, I don't think our world can survive growing and growing and growing in population without it having a massive impact but, but, on, but on that, everything. But that's a reality though, isn't it? Is there too many people on, no, on the planet? No, 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 no. There's enough room. If we were allowed to spread out, if you see how many like bits of land there are in England that no one's allowed to go on, yeah. you're not allowed to camp on, it's owned by China because they're offsetting the carbon emissions, yeah. right? So you can't, we can't spread out. If yeah. we could all spread out, there's yeah. enough room for everyone. There's enough money for well, all well, Fra- the France is about four or five times the size of Britain as well, isn't it? And that's in the neighbour as well, isn't it? Mm. Massive well, spaces in places like France and stuff. Yeah, but it, we all clump together, don't we? Yeah. Well, that's one of the things Agenda 30 is going to take into account. It's got 17 goals. I think I wrote them all down. I'll save that for <laughs> next time. But anyway, <laughs> anyway the, the idea being they're going to take care of what's in the sea, what's on land. They're going to bring people from, from, uh, from the countryside into the cities... Because they want these want people, you know, under control, and also that uh, the fact is that they think that uh, everybody's going to abide by this, and it's all going to be just taken as normal. It isn't people who are going to going to fight back. I you think. will you got own to. nothing, and you will be happy. Close well, I've got a couple yeah. of pages on close well, but we haven't got time. Have we? No, no, we haven't got as much time. <laughs> but you know, when you when you say about alien, have you actually? Do you know in in your images that you've been sent? Have you? Only seen ships or unidentified objects. Have you actually seen physically, and what you'd say was an alien or a person you couldn't describe? They are majority of them are ships, shapes yeah. of different sizes. But on one of the CE five events that we went out to on Ashurst Be- Beacon, which is like Wiggany Way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we actually captured on photograph an image of a of a face of something that was in the bushes that couldn't be seen with the naked eye but i was just doing some flash photography on my iphone and i'm looking at this bush and i'm looking through my phone at the same time and i could see a face in my phone but not well so i got people over and i was like can can you see anything over there and they're like no i'm like have a look at my phone can you see anything through mm-hmm. there yeah that looks like a person in the bush mm-hmm. and actually when we magnified the person in the bush it had very distinct eyes, nose, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of pan. Like, the, the yeah, green, yeah, 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 it yeah, looked yeah. like Ooh. a green sort of pan-like being, and it, we couldn't see it with our naked eye, but there it was, as clear as day, in the bushes at the top of the beacon in Wigan, just <laughs> looking at us. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Good old Wigan so for you. 
<laughs> I'm glad a few people look like Pat and Wicked. But anyway, that's another point. Fantastic show. Listen, our time is up. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks Thank to, to Chris Styles, which is fantastic at the start. We're all going to go on that. 365 pin code. Yeah. We need to get on there. UFO. Identified. Identified, and you will get that out there. So you're going to be doing lots of good stuff. Get your videos in there, yeah. and you will get a full Absolutely. investigation. And keep an eye out for conference, which will be yeah. in October, um, which is an amazing experience. Sash has been, Sash has spoken to it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Last year, we had a competition um, to see who could make the craziest tinfoil hat. Yeah, you know. Okay. So, I've got mine. Yeah. We'll have a go. We, em- we embrace the crazy side and the fact that everyone thinks we're crazy. We embrace that. We, we oh, love do you it. know? Do you know where that will be yet? Um, we're still waiting on venue confirmation, but mm. it's probably going to be Manchester. Okay. Way. Yeah, come okay. to Liverpool like you're. Well, I was going to say. Manchester's um, great. I am in talks with somebody about getting a conference going in Liverpool. Oh, because I think Slightly Liverpool needs it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But like, I would really like to focus at least one of them on uh, experiences because we have a lot of UFO stuff, but we don't really get to hear from no. the people who are having all the other stuff mm. going on. That mm. includes paranormal as well as alien, yeah. you know, and, and whatever other high strange things have been through, but. Um, you know, not, I don't. Tol- I know mm. it sounds a bit ridiculous to say this, but I don't tolerate woo. So that it'll be like genuine stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what we need out there, isn't mm. it? Dave, thanks. All right, mate. Coming in again. I know your 15 minutes turned into 12 minutes. But right. There you go. You've you, you, you done your best there. 12 there. minutes. But, the, but there's a lot there. Klaus Schwab when you then Dave gets to over them. Just to say to our listeners, we are going to be back next month. Um, probably. The th- first Thursday of every month we sort of aim for, don't we, Dave? But just to say, Tales of Dunn Explained is for entertainment purposes only and does not reflect the views and opinions of Liverpool Community Radio, Kensington Vision or its presenters. Any information, theories or stories are merely speculation and are for purposes of entertainment only. I will have a full jingle for that next time where I can just press <laughs> a button. But anyway, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, thanks to Chris Styles, 365 yeah. pin code. We're going to have to get at that. UFO identified will definitely be on that. So if you do find the truth out there, then please let us let know. Us know. Till next time. <laughs> You're listening to Tales of the Unexplained with me, Peter Bercher, and me, David Lloyd, where we'll be looking at the world as a paranormal, conspiracy theories, and the mysteries of the ages. The truth is out there.